of playing dress up here is it excites me. How many played dress up as a kid? Raise your hand. I mean, come on, let's not, uh, you know, be, be, be bold, Christians. Be bold. I mean, okay, a lot of kids here were neglected their childhood, right? I mean, you just are not living until you've played dress up. Uh, for me, I, I mean, you know, Long Ranger, anybody know the, the television show Long Ranger? Anybody? Am I? She's heard of it. Okay, yeah, okay. I'm dating myself. Great. Um, Long Ranger, big hit for me as a kid growing up. I love that show. Uh, so if I got a chance to dress up like an Indian or a cowboy, count me in. I'll take the whole day, just go at it. Um, a G.I. Joe? Am I still dating myself? G.I. Joe. Any fans here of G.I. Joe? Okay, we're getting a little close to the dial, aren't we? You know, give me some camouflage, a fake toy gun, and some army boots, and I'm, I'm good for the day. Uh, matter of fact, my son has quite an extensive large closet full of dress-up clothes and whenever his friends come over it's not xbox it's, it's not legos it's dress up and so they will go for hours even in the scorching heat my son will be in a full ninjago garb black and the sun is pounding down on him and it will be dress up for two to three hours and he's like his old man he sweats a lot he sweats a lot but I love the idea of clothing ourselves, or this, uh, this imagery that quickly goes off inside my head of clothing myself in Jesus. And the second part of this verse is even better. It says, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You know the one thing that I've come to learn over the 17 years of following and, and being a Christian is that I cannot do this latter part without doing the beginning part of this verse. There is no way as a person, as a pastor, as a Christian now for 17, 18 years that I can begin to even embark upon a journey where I make no provision for the flesh, where I seek not to gratify the lust of the flesh without putting on Christ. Now, I imagine that I've already lost some of you guys in that I'm talking about dressing up in Jesus, okay? But listen, here, here it is. The concept or the teaching of clothing yourself in Christ is it's not something new to the New Testament. It's not something new to the Bible and its teachings. For example, take Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. It says, For all who were baptized into Christ clothed themselves with Christ. I love the Passion Translation. If you, how many are familiar with the Passion Translation? All right, like three of you guys. Um, I know, it, listen, if you think the message is heretical, you will probably think that the Passion Translation is heretical. Although, let me tell you, Brian Simmons is a good friend of both Bethany and I, and he is nothing but a heretic, and I would follow him as he follows Christ any day of the week. So here his, is his translation of the verse. It says, fully immerse yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. Thank you, Passion Translation. Great, great, great job. The idea is this, right? We were clothed with Christ in baptism. And yet this begs the question, what were we exactly clothed in when we were baptized? The answer, short and sweet, is this. New life. We were given a new life. And in order to have new life, it means our old life had to die. It had to be put to death. Thus, we have a chapter like Romans chapter 6, 3 through 9. We're going to kind of jump around the Bible this morning. Hopefully, that's okay. Romans chapter 6, 3 through 9. It says this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism in death in order that just as Christ was raised by, um, from the dead, excuse me, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Essentially, and sweetly and shortly, the way that I could define this first, guys, is we have gone from rags to riches, okay? We have gone from burial rags, so to speak, to resurrection robes. Excuse me for the cheesiness, but it's exactly what has happened, and it happened actually in baptism. In baptism, we put to death, all right? We put to death the works or the deeds of the flesh. That's what the Bible teaches, right? But the story doesn't stop there with our death, right? It's only the beginning, right? Something begins there. The same glory, right, after we died and put our old man to death, we were uh, clothed in the same glory that clothed Christ when he re- was raised from the, de- from the grave. And that same glory now rests upon us and has given us new life. So if we truly have put to death in baptism the works of the flesh, why would we continue on going on gratifying the desires of the flesh Romans chapter 6, 1, the verse that starts off the, the three verses that we just read says this, should we continue to sin that grace might abound? Of course not. That would be ridiculous. In other words, if we have really put to sin, put sin, excuse me, to death, how can the old nature, how can the old man continue to live? It can't. It's crazy. It can't. Now listen, he who without sin, who, he who says he's without sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. I am not talking about absolute perfer- perfection. I'm talking about a pressing in to the holiness of God. And we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. So if I could break down five seconds, just what I, all that I just said in that beginning part of my sermon here is this. Putting our, on Christ, our clothing ourselves with Christ means this. If there is a place in my life where I lack Christ-likeness, let's say for an example, I lack humility. I'm a prideful person. I'm a haughty, arrogant you know, person. I lack humility. There's hope for me. Why? Because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian that has pride, that struggles with pride. Because I'm a Christian, I've made the decision to look to Christ as my chief example of humility via the scripture, right? It doesn't just, it doesn't just fall to us from the sky. It doesn't just, a switch isn't just flipped and we become a humble person. We look at the book. We look into the scripture and we see the humility of Christ, Right? And through seeing and growing in the revelation, let's just say, of Jesus Christ, the humble servant, I see him in the scripture as a humble servant, and I can now act upon what I see. I can now put into practice what I'm being taught. I can take on the attitude of Christ's humility simply by looking simply by observing and growing in the revelation and then acting upon it. So if I need humility, if I need kindness, if I need compassion, etc., the list goes on, there is hope because I can look to Christ as my chief example via Scripture and start to clothe and put on the qualities or the virtues of Christ that I most need. For example, look at Luke chapter 14, 7 through 11. 
It says this, when Jesus noticed that all who had come for dinner were trying to sit at the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you're invited to the wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited and the host comes to you and says, give this person your seat? Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take and you will have to take, take, take whatever seat, excuse me, is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then, when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So in short, Jesus teaches us about humility, right? He teaches us that if we seek to exalt ourselves, we will be humbled. But if we humble ourselves, we will be exalted. I can see this clear in scripture, and I can now act upon what I see. See, the problem is, is most of us don't take action with what we're seeing and what we're reading and what we're being taught. It stops in our ears. And it for most, doesn't affect our behavior. Now, Jesus is not into behavior modification. He's in for servants lovingly bending and giving themselves to obedience. There's a breakdown. Listen, the humility of Jesus is one of the most obvious observations in Scripture. Just imagine yourself, you being equal with God, right? Sharing the glory of God, having every privilege of being God, and yet you became a man and laid aside those privileges, <laughs> right? Mike Bickle puts it this way, and I love it. In Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Imagine becoming the servant of all and being God hidden in the obscurity of humanity. Mike Bickle, well said. I'd like to title my sermon this morning, That's Not a Good Look for You. That's not a good look for you. Turn to your neighbor. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because it's just, I got to. I got I to do what my pastor, my old pastor used to do 12 years. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not a good look for you. Have you ever had someone who's close to you, a friend, a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whoever, they're a close friend of you, and let's just say they have an interesting taste in clothing, okay? I'm guilt, I've been guilty of it. Matter of fact, you're probably looking at me today and say, what is wrong with that shirt, right? I don't know, I saw it and I'm like, I like that shirt. But I'm not gonna button it up because if I button it up, man, everything's gonna poke out and y'all gonna be laughing at me. You're gonna be saying, hey, that's not a good look for you. Have you ever been that person? Maybe you have. My wife many times has come to me and said, honey, that is not a good look for you. Matter of fact, uh, I used to have this blue blazer dress coat thing that I used to love to wear. And honestly, I looked like a used car salesman. I really did. But some, there was something about it that I loved. And a good friend of ours, Christina Ho, she will always share her mind, um, said, Daryl, I don't think that's a good look for you. I heeded her wisdom. I didn't burn it like she asked. I actually just put it in my closet. And to this day, it collects dust. But anyways... But have you ever had that friend that dresses, interestingly, maybe they wear clothing that's too tight and you're like, hey, surely they have that in your size. <laughs> or, or maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe you have an, 
An older friend that just dresses a little bit too flashy for their age. Anybody? 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 You're like, hey, man, like, you're, you're almost 60, and that pink blazer, like, I don't know, man, if, it's nece- if it necessarily compliments your age. It's a similar feeling when you find out that your parents just opened an Instagram account. You're like, no! Like, don't, this is why we left Facebook. Where, where are we gonna go next? It's like, you do not need to open an Instagram account with your 50 or 30 friends. <laughs> I'm sorry for all you who have Instagram counsels, and I do too, and I probably shouldn't have. But, um, but there, there is. My point is this, is we kind of do things like that all the time. We often act and behave in ways that don't complement or fit our new life in Christ, right? We often uh, do things and say things that somewhat identify with our old man, our old nature, and not our new one. And it's just not a, a good look for us as Christians. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In other words, what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, is put on the life that best suits you. That, that actually complements your new life in Christ. Put to death the old man and clothe yourself in the glory of my Father. Clothe yourself in new life. Put on Jesus. That's a good look for us, church. Why do we forget who we are? I do this. I'm guilty just as the next. I constantly forget about my new life that I've been given, the new creation that I am in Christ. I believe that this Bible speaks Directly to that in James chapter 1. One more chapter, uh, one, a couple more verses before we get out of the Bible. Here in James chapter 1, 23 through 25, James says this, for, anyone, for if anyone is a hearer, excuse me, of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I love this scripture. I know sometimes in the church we're so against works. We're so against doing. But actually the Bible calls us to a certain kind of doing, a certain kind of work. And the work that we're obligated to do, the doing that we're obligated to do, is act upon what we hear. What we know to be truth. We act upon it. We don't just hear it. It just can't stop here. It has to be lived out when we leave this place. I recently got dolled up for an event. My wife says I clean up well. And, you know, that's really the only voice of affirmation I need, so... I'm married, fellas. I'm married. Yeah. If she says it's good, I'm good. And I got all dolled up for this event, and I looked in the mirror uh, about a couple weeks ago. I looked in the mirror, and I was like, Daryl, that is good. God, thank you. you. You did great. You did great. 
And I, I left the house all, you know, whew, wait till I go to this pastor's meeting. These guys are like all old and stuff. I'm like looking young and fresh, got my chucks on. Woo! I'm going to go represent the young pastors here. <laughs> and sure enough, I get there and it's a cool event and all the other pastors are starting to take photos, right? They're just like, oh, this is cool. And then suddenly my phone just starts buzzing in my back. And I'm being tagged in these photos. And I look and I'm like, oh, wow. That's not the way I remember feeling and looking when I was looking and admiring myself in the mirror. Oh my God. Luckily for me, I have to actually grant people the post things on my Facebook. I did not, I did not hit accept at all. I, I denied. But I'm looking through these things. And I'm like, my God. Oh, maybe, you know, the lighting was different. Maybe. I don't know. It was, I, you know, the sun was behind the clouds. I really don't know. But I just remember having this feeling of like, oh, that is not the way I remember leaving my house this morning. And that's kind of like it is when we hear God's word and don't take action. We come into a context like this or the last two weekends and we're smothered in such truth, but yet we do nothing with it. Therefore, it just stops with us hearing and never affects our living. Two claps, two claps, three claps. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Guys, we're at church. It's okay to put your hands together. Listen, if it makes you feel better, I'm just as guilty as the next. Okay, I'm not up here on a pedestal saying, I've arrived. I'm just trying to present truth so that you come out of dual identities and you step actually into the identity Christ has given you because you're just not hearing, you're acting. You see, God calls us to work out our salvation with fear and tremble. We just don't sit back and hit cruise. Now that we're saved, we're called to take action with what we're hearing. Now, I know that some of us feel like forgetfulness is a sign of intelligence, but in this respect, it's not. I actually posted something on my Facebook page where um, a friend of mine posted this article, and they said how people who forget are actually very intelligent people, uh, beyond even, uh, you know, more intelligent than their peers. And I'm like, yes, there's hope for me because I, I mean, I've lost just. Just for example, I've lost my keys four times. Uh, it, I got here at 7.30, and, and in between 7.30 and 10, I lost my keys four times. I, I placed them down in awkward places. I think the last place I found them was by the toilet bowl. Don't ask me how they got there. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's weird, right? But in this respect, forgetfulness is not good. It's not good. Thank you. We cannot afford to forget to act upon what we've heard. It, this is Bible 101, I know. But too many Christians, I believe, suffer with identity complex. They don't know who they are. But yet, they've been smothered in such truth. Why? Why do we not know something as simple as the teaching of new life? Why do we not know that we are actually new creations? Because most likely we're not living it out. We're not acting upon it. We're like that person that gets surprised when we see ourselves on social media and we're like, whoa, that is, 
that's not the root. That's, that's not who I thought. I, that's not the way I thought I looked like when I left my home. The cause of identity confusion in the church, the reason we forget who we are, is we hear and take no action and no responsibility for what we've heard. James chapter 1 verse 22 goes as far as to say, prove, prove yourself doers of the word. What provocative language Prove. We live in such a culture, meaning a Christian culture, where we feel as though we have to do nothing. And here James is saying, prove yourselves doers and not merely hearers. Jesus taught this. Look at Matthew 7, 24. It says, anyone who hears his words, meaning Jesus' words, and acts upon them could be compared to a wise man who hears my words and acts on them. I will show you who this person is like. There's something that is tremendously attractive that even Jesus begins to exalt somebody who takes his words and puts them into practice. And he says, look it, I will show you what this man is like. I will make a spectacle of his life. You think about men like Elijah. You think of men like John the Baptist. It was almost like they were such people of action that God just exalted them and said, this is what it means to follow me. It doesn't just mean hearing. It means hearing and acting. So what do we do? We start by taking on the attitude of Christ, as I mentioned early. earlier. We clothe ourselves in Jesus. Colossians 3.12 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen, do you understand that you are a chosen people? You aren't just like everybody else. You're not just like anybody else. You're a chosen people. A chosen people, Colossians says. God's holy and dearly loved ones. He says this, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So we start, right? That's a starting point. We start by clothing ourselves in the virtues of God. We clothe ourselves with mercy if we see and find that we're, we lack patience and lack mercy. We clothe ourselves with kindness, gentleness, and compassion. You know what I love about the Bible when it teaches and it kind of commands people to be humble? It says, the Bible generally says, go and humble yourself. It doesn't say, draw near to me and I will humble you. we got to take action, right? It's, we're called to action. So as Colossians says, we clothe ourselves with the virtues of God, kindness and compassion, an unoffendable heart. Then we take action. We don't just clothe ourselves. We don't just start there. I mean, stop there. We take action. As we put on the virtues of God, we take action, meaning let's uh, say you're a person that uh, has a hard time forgiving others. Anybody here struggle with that? Don't raise your hand. That's weird. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I put myself up there. Evan, I love you. I'm just, I had to, it's, it was a, just a moment. It kind of worked just to get everybody laughing. Thank you for being the subject of that. Uh, but, you know, somebody who has a hard time forgiving, uh, when, you know, you can come across a, a verse like Colossians chapter 313, um, and you can, instead of just falling prey to unforgiveness, 
you can start to just pray and believe God that he can clothe you in his mercy, that actually he can reveal the same mercy in which he's extended to you. And therefore, as you feel the mercy of God fill your heart, you feel almost compelled to extend mercy to the person who hurts you. It makes sense to me. Colossians 3.13, the verse right after the verse I just read, tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. Forgive one another in the same way you have graciously been forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with somebody, release the same gift of forgiveness on them. Come on. I love the simplicity of something like that. I can do that. Why? Because I have been forgiven so much. See, the reason I can have an unoffendable heart is because I know to the level that Christ has forgiven me of my sin. And if he didn't hold it against me, why should I hold it against another? So you start living life like that, and man, the family of God just bursts. First open. <laughs> Transformation or Christ-likeness comes from hearing the truth and acting upon what we know to be true. The two are inseparable. Hearing in action. Hearing in action. Now, I... I imagine I got some enemies out of this one. And maybe I've won some friends. But I'm not here to be everyone's friend. I'm here to pastor. I'm here to look at this faithfully, as faithful as I can, as honest as I can, and deliver it to you. But also, I'm not just delivering it to you. See, I'm pouring over these things myself. And I don't mean to be hard. I mean to say that I am the chief of all sinners. (laughs) But I refuse. I refuse to gratify the desires of my old man. I mean, yet there are times of weakness. Something comes up inside of me and I say, no, 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 no. I am a new creation. I know what to do here. Oh, they said that? They said that about me, fine, I can release forgiveness. I don't have to hold it against them. Oh, I get angry, maybe I'm mad at a person for not doing what I told them. I can extend mercy because I have received mercy. Maybe you're here today and you know, you know that you have a hard time acting upon the truth the truth of God's word, the scripture. You know that there's areas where you're just, oh, you have this, it's almost sometimes impossible. And you, you find yourself in this, this conflict where you see the person that Christ has called you to be, but you see where you are and you're like, ah! Oh. Listen, there's, there's nothing more painful than that. And I believe we can put to death 
we can put that to death. I believe even this morning by a simple response that we can be both hearers of God's word and doers. There is grace. There is a sufficient amount of grace to walk out in obedience that which Christ has called you to walk out. Stand to your feet. Can I have a musician? This is what I'd like to do. Every eye closed for a second. I want, if you're here and this resonates with you, you know, you know that through your life and your walk with Christ, you have had a hard time trying to do and live out what Christ has revealed to you as truth. I want you to raise your hand right now. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. I'm putting my hand up too, okay? Throw them up if you're here and you've been good at hearing. You even nod and clap (laughs) and it all sounds good. But when you leave, it's like, oh, my Lord, I do not know how to do this. Raise your hand. Put your hands high to the sky and keep them up. Now, for those who do not have their their hands raised, open your eyes. Look to the person next to you. Go to them and start praying for them. For they're missing out on the joys of being obedient. Do you know that there is a joy, a certain kind of thrill that fills your heart when you're not just hearing God's word, but you're living it out, you're taking action. There is something of joy that springs up in your hearts and simply just being obedient to Christ. Now I'd imagine, listen, if there's still hands raised, if you responded, keep your hands high. Don't leave these brothers and sisters. Start to gather around them like the body of Christ and just pray. Just pray for them that they would begin to start to lean in to the joys of obedience, to the joys of even costly obedience. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, let's be the church. I see... Uh, A man in the back, hands raised, nobody's around him. Church, let's be the church. Nobody has the disease, all right? Let's just undergird them and lay hands and believe God for a new day to come upon their lives. Go ahead, pray, pray. Don't look at me. Just start to pray for these brothers and sisters. Come on, I'm not up here trying to perform. Just get our eyes on Christ. Let's see what Jesus might do. If you don't have anybody praying for you right now and you raise your hand, keep your hands up high. Put them up if you have nobody praying for you. I see a sister in the back. Nobody's praying for her. Gather around her. Go ahead. If you're thinking, well, I'm not qualified to lay hands on others. Yes, you are. You're a Christian. Go ahead and pray for them. Anybody else, do not raise your hand high if you do not have somebody praying for you. All right. Let's do business. Let's just do business for a little bit. That's what church is all about. Let's believe for a new day to come upon our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Jesus.
There you go, there you go. Pray, 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 pray for your brothers. Pray for your sisters. Jesus, Jesus. Pray, 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 pray. Yes, Spirit of God. Come on, just a little longer. As he sings, as he worships Jesus... Let's not give in. Let's not give up. Let's persevere for one another. Let's pray. Uphold one another in prayer. Go ahead. That's right. Keep praying. Keep praying. Come on. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters. We're going to do this. We're going to pray as a church for our church. We're going to pray that as a family, that as a body, we would begin to experience the joy and thrill of obedience as a spiritual family. 
meaning that we're not just coming week in, week, week in, week out, hearing God's word and never doing anything with it, but that we're people of action. So let's break up into groups of twos and threes, and let's take a moment just to pray for our church together that, that as a family, as a spiritual family, we would experience the joys and the thrills of being obedient, of taking action with that of what we've heard from this pulpit. Let's do it together. Can we do that? Come on. Twos and threes. Let's grow. If you got to go, doors aren't locked. You're free to go. But if you want to stick around and pray with us for a little bit, let's pray together. Father, right now we pray, God, for the joys of obedience to fill our church, to fill our spiritual family, God. We ask, Lord, for the excitement and the thrill of leaning in and doing and acting upon what we're hearing, God, would begin to come upon our family, Jesus. We pray, God, that there would be a grace, a sufficient grace to be, Lord, doers of the word. Lord, hearers but doers. God, I do ask, Lord, for everyone who has prayed for today, who struggles, God, with, with taking action. Father, I do pray for a new grace, a new zeal, a new tenacity to fill their lives, God, a new determination to act upon what it is they've been taught, to act upon what it is that they have received from God. I pray, God, I pray, Lord, that this in no way would be seen as laborsome, but I do ask God that we would see it as a great joy. Lord, that it would be not seen as a sacrifice, but a great joy to be acting upon the truth, to be behaving in such a way that says, God, you are transforming my life. You are going into my ears, to my heart, affecting my actions and behaviors. I am a new creation, God. Father, I do pray, I do pray for this family, God, that we would not be ones just coming every Sunday, hearing the word, and the word not affecting anything of our lives. I do pray, God, that we would be hearers and doers, Jesus. Let a great grace rest upon 
our church, Jesus, a great grace. Father, I thank you for this body. I thank you for this community. God, there is a week ahead of us that is strewn with all sorts of unknowns and all sorts of struggles, Lord, and all sorts of things, Lord, that call for our perseverance. Jesus, I do ask, Lord, for a grace to rest upon us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. God, throughout the week, I pray that you would keep us, God, that no matter what waves crash against our foundation, Lord, our determination is to build upon Jesus and not ourselves, Lord. And so I ask God in building upon Jesus, Lord, that you would sure up our foundation, that when those waves come, Lord, our house couldn't be shaken or moved because it's built upon the rock. Father, I pray this week that, Lord, those who have responded those who have felt the challenge, Lord, to, to act upon what they hear, I do pray for a great grace to rest upon them, to move, to take action with what they've learned and what they've been given by Christ. I pray these things in your son's name. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Well, church... It's been a great time. Thank you for listening and putting up with me. I know that's not easy sometimes, but um, it's what you got. Uh, again, if you're new here, just want to encourage you to stop by the info center. You should have got a pamphlet where in that pamphlet there is a connect card. And uh, in that connect card, there's three fields where we ask for your name, your email. The only thing we ask for is legibility. You can turn it in at the info center. And also for those who are coming to Beyond Sunday, it's in room 102. So essentially you go up to the second floor, down this hallway, all the way to the end where you'll see room 102. You go in there and there will be people awaiting you. And um, we might need a little bit of time to set up the refreshments, but we'll get on it. We love you and be blessed.